What's up guys? Just a quick update on how you can find World of Wally. Uh, we are on pretty much every listening platform that you get your podcast at. If you can't find us, please drop us a message and we'll work diligently to try to get on that platform so you'll have the opportunity to hear us. Also, you can find us on Facebook, also at World of Wally. Uh, on the Facebook page, you will be able to catch up on previous episodes and also updates and storylines and pretty much anything else that uh, we have going on here at World of Wally. So, uh, like I said, guys, that's where you can check us out. And now, let's get back to the episode. What's up, guys? I, I don't even know where to get started on today's episode. Um, the news just keeps flooding in and flooding in and flooding in. Um, you know, this uh, coronavirus that has uh, swept the world at this point, it's it's crazy because just a few weeks ago, you know, that it was not an issue here in America. It was not an issue in many places except China. Uh, it's now worked its way into places like Germany and Italy. Um, it is established a foothold here in America. Now, I still, up to this moment of broadcast, I still do not know one person personally that has been affected by the actual, this actual condition, this actual virus. Um, and like I said, if you've been living under a rock, you know, the last, you know, month, two months or whatever, um, you might not even know what I'm talking about. It's hard to believe that you don't, not in this this world of information um i know the media especially the american media has ramped up the hysteria um they they it seems as if they are doing everything they can to cause an actual worldwide panic um you know it's it's a virus guys it's it's the flu on steroids is how i look at it um it affects certain people more adversely than others um i'm not gonna say it affects younger kids and and older people more than it does those that are considered middle age um as they we're learning more and more about this condition this virus uh, there are some if there's some information that's been that's come out that um actually is starting to show that the the more the 40 to 50 year olds uh, especially here in America, are the ones that are being more um, affected than others. Um, I know the percentages are pretty small, especially with the younger people, the teenage kids and some younger kids. Um, and, you know, the, the craziest thing of all is, is, of course, a lot of the deaths to this point have been older people. But, you know, a lot of things can take out folks that are older, um, you know, by definition. You know, folks that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Because when you reach that point in your life, you're looking at some, you know, you're, you're looking at immune uh, fighting issues anyway. Uh, you know, things like the cold and the flu can wreak havoc on an older body. So, like, like I said, I'm on this in this first segment. I'm just gonna kind of run through exactly what this virus is. Um, you know, just information that the CDC's put out just to kind of get everybody, you know, caught up on exactly what we're going to be talking about. Uh, there's also, and I remember the, the gentleman that we're going to feature in the interview in the next segment. Uh, it's a gentleman named Michael. 
Osterholm. He is a, um, I, I guess he would be considered a, a virus hunter. Uh, an, he's an epidemiologist, but he goes out and looks for these uh, exotic strains of different um, viruses and, and uh, things like that. And he, his effort and his, the center he's involved with, his effort is to actually try to get ahead of them. Uh, it's usually in a trail position though. They don't, they don't usually uh, get the opportunity to actually get ahead of something, uh, especially something like this that's morphed into what it has become worldwide. But like I said, that's in the next segment. I, I actually, he put a book out. He's actually going to mention the book in the interview. Um, I did not get an opportunity to interview him personally, but I was able to find an interview that he did with Joe Rogan and he talks about kind of the evolution of COVID-19 or the coronavirus and, you know, some things that you can expect over the next few weeks, you know, days and weeks. And, um, you know, after you listen to it, I know after I listened to it, my, my fear level went up a bit. You know, I, I still feel like this is a condition just like any other um you know, virus that attacks the body, um, your own natural immune system is going to help battle it. Like I said, depending on your your health status, you know that's going to help also. If you're if you're not a healthy person, you know if you're uh, not in the best physical shape, uh, if your immune system has been compromised in any way, of course you're going to struggle to fight against this virus, just like you you struggle to fight against the flu or any other thing that attacks you. Um, you know, this is a respiratory issue, um, which is kind of ironic. It's respiratory because you go into grocery stores today or into any general mercantile store and you can't find toilet paper. I'm still trying to figure out why respiratory issue equals there's no toilet paper on the shelf. I mean, maybe that's a question somebody else listening to this this episode can answer maybe drop that answer to me explain it to me on our facebook page at world of wally i really that's something i I need to know because i don't understand that at all but anyway let me let me get back to um this information is provided by the cdc you can actually go to their website cdc.gov and find the exact information i'm going to tell you about uh the coronavirus or the coronavirus disease as they they call it uh, this is they actually knew about this in 2019 2019 is where it kind of started it's it was the infancy of the actual virus um, and it's just some some summer information about it um, it is an emerging rapidly evolving situation and CDC is going to provide updated information you know as it becomes available uh, like I said, that information changes almost daily now. So like I said, if you want to check in on that, um, matter of fact, the information that um, I'm looking at right now was actually updated today, which is March the 12th. Um, looks like uh, looks like it was updated about 6 o'clock on March the 12th, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. It says uh, some background on it. The CDC is responding to an outbreak of respiratory disease caused by a new coronavirus that was first detected in China, which that's we, we as everybody, most everybody knows, China is where this 
the actual outbreak occurred where it kind of morphed into what it is now where it, it, it left out of China and it went to other regions um, in which uh, let's see detected in China which has now been detected in more than 100 locations internationally including the United States we talked about that a minute ago you know we do have cases here um, pretty much in every state at this point the virus actually was named SARS CoV-2, S-A-R-S-C-O-V-2, and the disease it causes has been named Coronavirus 2019, and of course they abbreviated that uh, to COVID-19. Now on January the 30th of 2020, the International Health Regulations Emergency Committee of the World Health Organization declared the outbreak as a public health emergency of international concern. On January 31st, 2020, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar II declared a public health emergency for the United States to aid the nation's healthcare community in responding to COVID-19. On March the 11th of 2020, which, let's see, that would have been, what, yesterday? Yeah, it would have been, yeah, March the 11th. Um, the World Health Organization publicly characterized COVID-19 as a pandemic. So we have reached the pandemic stage now with this condition. You, everybody's wondering, you know, exactly, you know, how does this virus work? You know, sources uh, of the virus, how it spreads. Coronaviruses are a large family of viruses. They are common in people and many different species of animals, including camels, cattle, cats, and bats. Rarely, animal coronaviruses can infect people and then spread between people, such as with MERS and SARS. Now, anybody that knows, those were the two biggest ones of the, you know, the past. Um, the most ironic thing that I think is you look back, and it seems like every couple of years you have the big virus the worldwide attack you know the virus on the world so like i said you can go back and check that mers and sars were two two of the biggest of the most recent ones and now with this new virus called sars cov2 which has now been deemed the coronavirus or covid19 um like all three of those the viruses have their origins in bats. The sequences from USA from US patients are similar to the ones that China initially posted. It suggested a likely single recent emergence of the virus from an animal reservoir. Early on, a lot of the patients at the epicenter of the outbreak in the uh, Hubei province in China had some link to a large seafood and live animal market suggesting animal-to-person spread. A funny side note here, when this was really starting to take off and make its way out of China into other different areas, I actually made a reference to a couple of friends of mine. This is the Planet of the Apes movie playing out, the, the actual the Planet of the Apes trilogy that they did, where the actual virus was transmitted from an animal, one of the actual chimps the apes bit a person he got on a plane he flew internationally he 
contacted all these folks on the flight. You know, he ends up, the gestation period dude ends up dying and it, the actual virus spreads across the world and destroys large numbers of the people of the world. And that's when the rise of the Planet of the Apes occurred. Uh, if you hadn't seen that, the, the newest incarnation of that uh, television movie franchise, it's, it's awesome. You guys should check it out. Just a little side note. Sorry, didn't mean to get derailed there. All right, let's see. Where were we? Okay, uh, that is where COVID-19 found its uh, its origins. Um, there are confirmed COVID-19 cases uh, in, it's showing a global map on this image. Looks like about 75% of, of the world. Um, there's about two-thirds of Africa is not affected, Alaska is not affected, and the Arctic Circle area is not affected. And then there is a small pocket in Europe at this point is not affected. So, like I said, I guess it is pandemic status at this point because, it, like I said, it's consumed. Today we have cases that's, that's actually been documented in about 75% of everywhere in the known world. So, All right, severity. Uh, let's see, complete clinical picture with regard to COVID-19 is not fully known. Reported illnesses have ranged from mild to severe, including illness resulting in death. While information so far suggests that most COVID-19 illness is mild, um, a report out of China suggests serious illness occurs in about 16% of the cases. Of course, older people and people of all ages with severe underlying health conditions like Heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, for example, they are the ones that seem to be at a higher risk. I talked about that earlier. If depending on your physical, um, you know, your physical status, and like I said, of course, most younger people, uh, well, I'm not gonna say most younger people, maybe not this generation's most younger people, but folks that are younger that keep themselves in better physical condition and work to keep their immune system at its peak those are the people that are going to be able to battle against this virus. Um, of course, there will be some form of inoculation, some form of a vaccine will be formulated. It's We always get one formulated. The question is, how long is it going to take to get this vaccine so people can be vaccinated against this actual virus? Um, let's see. Uh, they, seem, they all seem to be at higher risk. Now, it is now a pandemic. What is a pandemic, you might ask? A pandemic is a global outbreak of a disease. Pandemics happen when a new virus emerges and infects people and can be spread between people um, sustainably across large areas. Because there is little to no pre-existing immunity against the new virus, it will spread worldwide. That's why we don't have the vaccination, we don't have the inoculation system in place. And that's why the worldwide spreads occurred. Uh, the virus causes COVID-19, that causes COVID-19 is infecting people and spreading easily from person to person. Like I said, they've determined it's a respiratory uh, spread of virus or disease. Uh, just like influ influ influenza, for example, it's a respiratory issue. Cases have been detected in most countries worldwide and community community spread is being detected in a growing number of countries which means 
it's all about exponential growth within the virus itself it's if two people are infected then it's going to be four people six people eight ten twelve it's going to exponentially increase because of exposure all right this is the first pandemic known to be caused by the emergence of a new coronavirus so see this is a new strain it's it's come beyond where the previous ones were there have been four pandemics caused by the emergence of new influenza viruses as a result research and guidance around pandemics is specific to influenza at this point but like i said they are continuing to learn as much as they can about this virus and the other viruses that previously came before them in an effort to try to battle them with a vaccination type Um, you know like i said it's all about inoculation and vaccination to try to battle it like I said, guys, this is it. Like it's ongoing. It's a constant moving process. You know, I personally, I, I still don't see. I still personally haven't seen the effects of it. Uh, I hear about it. The news tells me every day about how the world is coming to an end because of it. Um, I, guys, I, I just don't know. Um, I'm gonna have to get a lot more information about it before I become fearful for my existence like the news media wants you to be but like i said hey guys i'm gonna um i'm gonna we're gonna jump to that uh excerpt from that interview that joe rogan did with michael osterholm and he's gonna give some pretty amazing statistics and information that you're gonna want to hang in there and listen to so after the break guys we'll be right back everybody what you do michael well, thank you. I'm, a, for lack of a better term, a medical detective. I've spent my whole career tracking infectious diseases down, trying to stop them, trying to understand where they come from so we can make sure they don't happen in the first place. But most of all, trying to respond to situations just like this. Just like this. And um, just off the bat, how serious is this? Is this something that we need to be terrified of, or is this overblown? Or How, how do you stand on this? Well, first of all, you have to understand the timing of it in the sense that it's just beginning. And so in terms of what hurt, pain, suffering, death has happened so far is really just beginning. Um, This is going to unfold for months to come yet, and that's, I think, what people don't quite yet understand. Um, What we saw in China, uh, I'm convinced, as are many of my colleagues, as soon as they release all of these uh, social distancing, these mandated stay-in-homes, haven't left their home in weeks and weeks kind of thing, when they go back to work, they're on planes, trains, subways, buses, crowded spaces, manufacturing plants, even China is going to come back again. And so this really is acting like an influenza virus, something that transmits very, very easily through the air. We now have data to show that you're infectious before you even get sick. And in some cases, quite highly infectious, just breathing is all that you need to do. So from this perspective, I can understand why people would say, well, wait a minute, the flu kills a lot more itself every year than this does. And I remind people this is the beginning. Probably the best guess that we have right now on what limited data we have is say, this could be at least 10 to 15 times worse than the worst seasonal flu year we see. 10 to 15 times worse in terms of fatalities? Yeah, yeah, and, and just illness. In fact, I just I brought some numbers. We uh, conservatively estimate that this could in, uh, require 48 million hospitalizations, 96 million uh, cases actually occurring, over 480,000 deaths that can occur over the next three to seven months. 
with this situation. So this is not one that to take lightly. And I think that's what I can understand if you say there's only been 10 deaths or 20 deaths or 50 deaths. Just remember, two weeks ago, we were talking about almost no cases in the United States. And now that we're testing for it and watching the spread as it's unfolding, uh, those numbers are going up astronomically. Three weeks ago, Italy was just living life just fine. Now they're literally in a virtual shutdown in the northern parts of Italy. And that's the challenge with an infectious disease like this. It can spread very quickly, and it also can affect people. I think maybe to put this into modern terms, because this is something we think of often when we think of, of you know, pre-antibiotic days, you know, the old-time medicine. Um, we have an employee at our Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, and she has a dear friend who lives in Milan, Italy. And she works at a hospital there, and she texted us to this employee of ours last night. And this was an email that came out yesterday from one of their physicians in Milan at the largest hospital there. He said, I just got a very disturbing message from a cardiologist at one of the Milan's largest hospitals. They're deciding who they have to let die. They aren't screening the staff anymore because they need all hands on deck, and they have a very small areas of the hospital dedicated to non-COVID patients where they still screen doctors. Everybody else is dedicated to COVID patients, so even if they're positive, meaning that they're sick, they don't, and, but they don't have a severe cough or fever, then they have to work. Uh, he says that, that they're seeing an alarming number of cases in the 40-something range range, and is, these are horrible cases. So we need to stop thinking that this is only an old person's disease. This is what I'm going to unfold, not just in Wuhan, it's unfolding in Milan, it's unfolding here in, in Seattle, and this is what's going to continue to rollingly unfold throughout the world. Yeah, where did this rumor come from that it's a, an old person's disease? Is it just because the majority of the people that have died from it so far have been older? Yes. In fact, that's the primary risk factor for dying is being old and then having certain underlying health problems. For example, in China, uh, those men over the age of 70 who also smoked, were 8 to 10% of them died. 65% of older Chinese men smoke. The... Uh, case fatality rate or the percentage of people who die in women in that same age group is only about 2%. In that mm. case, very few women smoke. Now, the challenge we have is that that's the Chinese data. But there are a series of risk factors that we worry about that if they overlay on this disease are going to cause bad outcomes. And we happen to be right at ground zero for one of the major ones here in this country, and that's obesity. Mm. Uh, we know that obesity is just like smoking in terms of its ability to really cause severe life-threatening disease, and 45% of our population today over the age of 45 in this country are obese or severely obese, men and women. So one of the concerns we have is we're going to see more of these, uh, what I guess I would call very serious and life-threatening cases occur in our country because of a different set of risk factors than we saw in China. Now, you mentioned that there's some sort of an incubation period before people become sick, they're still contagious. What is this incubation period, and how do we know about it? When we call something an incubation period, we're talking about from the time you and I got exposed, meaning I was in a room breathing the air that somebody else who was infected uh, with the virus was expelling out, I breathed it in. How long from that time period till the time period that you get sick, and what is that? It's, that's what we call the incubation period. So that's when case numbers can double or triple in every so many days. In this case, it's about four days. So, and we actually have data there from people who were exposed one time or one time only. And we know when they were exposed, where they were exposed, and how soon do they get sick afterwards. So the chauffeur in the car where an individual was sick or showing symptoms 
then the chauffeur gets it four days later. You know, they were there one time and one time only. And if the chauffeur does not show any symptoms, he's still contagious. He can he, still he could also be it. contagious too, or he. And that's one of the things that's challenging here is you and I might get exposed to somebody who is totally asymptomatic, no symptoms. That virus would appear well. That's not a very strong virus. But in fact, when it infects us, it could kill us. So we've seen cases of a fatal disease that were exposed to people that had minor symptoms themselves. Wow. And this is what's unfolding here, and, and this is where I think is such an important, and I said why the timing is so important, because, you know, Joe, we've really got to get information out to the public. There is so much misinformation right now, and, you know, we're going to be in this for a while. This is not going to happen overnight. And I worry, I keep telling people we're handling this like it's a corona blizzard, you know, two or three days, mm -hmm. we're back to normal. This is a coronavirus winter, and we're going to have the next three months or more, six months or more, that are going to be like this. And, you know, so far this thing has been unfolding exactly as we predicted it. We and our center put out a piece uh, on January 20th and said this is going to spread worldwide. At the time, people said, ah, no, it's just China. We put out a piece the first week of February and said this is going to pop probably the last week of February, first week of March. Because what happens is it has what's called an r naught or a doubling time of, of, of these every four days. So two, two increases doubling every four days. So if you go from 2 to 4 to 8 to 16, it takes a while to build up. But when you start going from 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 to 4,000, that's what we're seeing happen in places like Italy. We're beginning to see it in some ways up in Seattle. It's what happened in China. And, uh, you know, when people are confronted with that, suddenly this low-risk phenomenon that everybody talks about isn't so low anymore. And that's what we need to prepare people for. Now, what can be done? Like, what, what can the average person do? I see people walking around with masks on, wearing gloves. Is that nonsense? Largely, yes. Yeah. First of all, um, let's step back. The primary mechanism for transmission is just the respiratory route. It's just breathing. Um, in studies in Germany, which just have been published literally in the last 24 hours, um, they actually followed a group of people who had been exposed to somebody in an automobile manufacturing plant. And then they had nine people that, with this exposure, they said, if you have any symptoms at all, contact us. We want to follow up. And they all agreed. Well, they got infected. And so in the very first hours, just feeling bad, sore throat, they went in and sampled their throats, their, their saliva, their nose for virus. They did blood. They did stool. They did urine. And they found that at that very moment when they first got sick, they had incredibly high levels of virus, sometimes 10,000 times that we saw with SARS, in their throats, meaning they were infectious at that point already, and they hadn't even had symptoms yet of really any nature. They weren't coughing yet. Wow. And and that's where we're concerned because that's the kind of transmission. It's you know I always have said in trying to stop influence virus transmission like trying to stop the wind. You know we do, we've never had anything successfully do that other than vaccine and we don't have a vaccine here. So what's happening is that people in public spaces are getting infected. And the way you need to address that is, unfortunately, if you're older, over 55, you have some underlying health problems, which unfortunately a lot of Americans do. We have uh, obesity then right now you don't want to be in large public spaces and trying to potentially get infected. So you can take care of that part. As far as what can public health do, we're not going to, we can talk about this. We're not going to have a vaccine anytime soon. That's happy talk. Um, what we, you know, we can close schools. One of the big challenges we have right now, if we close schools, what do we accomplish? In influenza virus, when you, we close schools during outbreaks, because it turns out kids are get infected in school and they're like little virus reactors. You know, they come home and they transmit it to mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And uh, so we close schools sometimes. It's Christmas breaks are always great for kind of putting the dampening effect on flu. In this case, kids are not getting sick 
very often at all, which is one of the really good news features of this disease. In China, only 2.1% of the cases were under 19 years of age. And, and why is that? You know, we don't completely know. Uh, and, and I'm going to come to that in a second because they're getting infected, it turns out. One study showed that they still get infected with the virus, but they don't get sick. And we have that happen. There's a disease called infectious hepatitis, hepatitis A, where we have outbreaks in daycares. And the way we know we have an outbreak is because it's transmitted through the stool, fecal oral, is mom and dad and the daycare providers all get sick. And the kids, those symptoms, we go in and test the kids, they're all positive. So some diseases will manifest primarily when you're an adult but not as a child. This one appears to be the same. So do we close schools or not if we're not really spreading the disease? Because it turns out that if we close schools, we, a recent study done showed that 38% of nurses today in this country who are working in the medical area have kids in school. And if suddenly we're closing schools for two or three months, who's going to take care of those kids? One-fourth of the American population has no sick leave. If we close schools, they don't get paid if they have to stay home. So when you ask what can we do, we have to really be thoughtful about what we do. Are we doing more harm than good by closing schools, for example, even though everybody will say, oh, we've got to do everything we can? Or do we just tell people, you know, it's going to be limiting your contact as much as you can, and that's really about what we can do. And limiting the contact, is that really going to help? It does, because it's like putting rods in a reaction. If you, if you don't have as much close contact, you can you know, not transmit as much. If I'm, if I'm sitting in a room with 100 people and we're kind of sharing air, the transmission is remarkable. Right here you know, off the coast of California, you've got your cruise ship. Cruise ships are notorious mm -hmm. for recirculating air inside the inner cabins. We've had a number of outbreaks. That's well, why they're having these outbreaks on cruise yeah. ships? and then you leave them on there. I think the, the cruelest human experiment we've done in a long time with yeah. humans is leave them on these ships. Get them off right away. Should they get them off oh, right absolutely. away? Oh, absolutely. what get should they on. do with them? Well, they can put them in quarantines of some kind if they want and follow up on them, but you're guaranteed they're all going to keep getting infected day after day. It seems like we're not really prepared for something like this, although the, the CDC has been telling us for a long time that we should be. You know, we are uh, not prepared at all in the sense, you know, I uh, wrote the book um, Deadliest Enemies that was published in 2017. Right thank here, you. <laughs> thank you. Go get it. No. Get it. And Panic. In uh, chapter 13, the title of the chapter was SARS and MERS, A Harbinger of Things to Come. You know, we oh predicted this. And then I wrote a chapter on there what a flu pandemic would look like if it emerged in China. And if you read it, it's exactly what's happened. The supply chains went down. China locked down the country. It spread to other countries. People all pointed fingers. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where we hear it and hear it, but we don't get prepared. You know, five years ago, I gave a talk at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, first time I talked about this, I talked many times afterwards. And I showed a slide of Puerto Rico, a picture of Puerto Rico. And then I showed the map. And then I showed a picture of a building in Puerto Rico, a nondescript building. And I said, this is our next big disaster. Turns out that 85% of all the world's production of IV bags, the saline that we need desperately, were made in these plants in Puerto Rico. And all we needed was one, one Category 5 hurricane to come through and take it out. Maria came through a year and a half ago, and the world went into a major crisis with a shortage of IV bags. Now, that was so obvious that was going to happen, and yet we don't prepare. That's so foolish. I know, I agree. And that's what, hopefully this is a wake-up call. The business community, I hopefully will wake up. You know, one of the other things we're doing right now, uh, Joe, this is really one of the things that has me most concerned about this whole situation is our group has been studying for the last year and a half uh, with support from the Walton Family Foundation um, looking at critical drug shortages. It turns out that we identified 153 drugs in this country that people need right now or they die. I mean, it's on the crash card. It's acute critical drugs. 
100 percent of them are generic. All of them basically are made offshore in the United States. And a large part of them are made in China and India. And at this point, we have shortages anyway every day, just before this crisis happened. Now these supply chains have gone down. Our group is actively helping the United States government try to figure out, you know, where they're going to get these drugs. Now just think of this. If I came to you and said the Defense Department was going to outsource all its munitions production to China, you'd look at me and say, come on. You know what? The U.S. Defense Department has no more access to these drugs than anybody else. They are beholden to China for these drugs. 690,000 Americans have end-stage renal disease right now. Most of their primary drugs are coming from China. And now with the shutdown and what's happening with this, and this is what I talked about in the book, why I was so concerned, because we are at risk. So even this situation has unfolded. It's not just about what the virus does to you. It's about what the entire system is rigged up to be and what this virus does once it gets into it. Jesus. You're making me nervous. Well, but that's before we get done here. We're going to talk about what we can do to get people not nervous. Because this what? is... It's too late. <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is we're, we're, going to, we're going to bring you around to take... You know, it's my job is not to scare you out of your wits. It's to scare you into your wits. <laughs> Hi right, guys, we're back. Um, after hearing that interview, um, I, I really at this point, I'm not, I'm still not in fear, uh, which is what, like I said, the mainstream media is pushing this pandemic fear. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I'm, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't surprise me. Um, they are all about the shock factor Uh, they are all about trying to make things more than they are now some of the information he provided during that interview excerpt i mean it's it makes you think now the only problem with that is instead of me being more fearful because like i said some of the information he talked about some of the ages some of the physical attributes stuff like that that he talked about i fall squarely within the middle of that so i mean i sound like i am a prime target for covid19 um you know my my biggest issue is and look i understand you should err on the side of caution i understand that i understand that we can't first of all the numbers of of people that were affected infected um, you know especially in China for example were staggering numbers but you got to realize guys there's a staggering amount of people in China you know some of these population numbers or some of these infected numbers versus population numbers are still not that big I mean right now you're still looking at about a 1% chance of being affected or infected by this virus in the United States one percent that's not a lot guys my problem is after listening to what he had to say got the wheels turning and i'm i'm not going to say i don't trust the government i'm going to say that i'm very guarded against the government and some of the things they do uh you know so i've got to wonder you know first of all this thing originated in china um course it's a it's common knowledge that the mainstream media hates the president of the united states the 
the man that currently sits in the White House, they despise him. They actually have a larger amount of hatred for him than the actual Democratic Party has for him, uh, which he has haters within his own party, the Republican Party. So he's just got a lot of haters. But I'm wondering, this the whole conspiracy theory thing kicks in now, and I'm wondering, you know, did they, did they create this virus? Did the Chinese government or the Chinese scientists actually create this virus? And then did a test run on their own people to see what kind of effect it would have before they then spread it across the world? I mean, that's just, just a thought. I mean, let's be honest with you. China and the United States, not on the best of terms, especially with Trump in the, in the White House, because Trump applied pressure on China to get their act together. We'd been abused by them, especially from an economic standpoint, for years. So then when he snapped them into line, you know, we, we, we put a little pressure on them. Is this their way of retaliating? Because let's, let's just be brutally honest, okay? Everything in this world is affected by money. The ability to get money, the ability to keep money, the ability to spend money, the ability to save money. So everything's about the dollar bill. And right now, look, look at the reaction we've had in the United States, for example. Look at all the money that is now being lost, not by the, not by the week, not by the day, but by the minute at this point. You've got cancellations all over the United States. You have entire seasons or portions of seasons from professional um, athletics that's been done away with. The NBA has suspended their season. The NCAA has suspended their baseball season. Uh, The NCAA suspended all their spring sports at this point. Uh, I just saw on a news feed that the College World Series has been canceled. The new XFL, I just talked about them on my last podcast. The remainder of their season has been canceled. You know, they originally looked at having sporting events with no fans there. Now they've just decided not to have them at all. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to sound petty that, you know, all these sports teams are, but I mean, let's be honest. I know I enjoy watching sports. I I definitely enjoy going to live events. And I understand that that is a recipe for disaster, especially with a pandemic as quoted by the CDC, you know, the exposure of, you know, one infected person having the opportunity to expose this virus to 30 or 40 or 50,000 people at one time. I, I understand that. Okay. Absolutely. I understand that. I just wonder why we can't dial it down a notch. Why we can't be... Look, we know what to do. We've been told over and over and over how to avoid a virus. Wash your hands frequently. Cover your mouth when you cough. If you feel sick, don't go to work. Don't infect other people if you feel illness coming on. Now, yes, I know COVID-19, they said you can be infected before you feel the effects of it. I understand that. But I still cannot wrap my mind around why in the world we are canceling everything. 
This is a financial hit that the United States is taking. It's going to affect the economy negatively, which plays right into the hands of the political pundits of the United States. You know, the, the guy was talking about they wouldn't have a vaccination for months. Okay, it's now March. I'm going to tell you the vaccination is going to come through in about probably late September, early October. We'll start inoculations and vaccinations. People will start getting better. And then suddenly, the evil empire, the Republican Party, the the ones that are sitting in the White House right now, will be made out to be the evil one that did not do enough quick enough And the Democratic Party, with the praises of the mainstream media, will be the darlings. They were the ones that will have pushed for legislation or funding or whatever it takes to get the vaccination process started more quickly to actually the actual precursor to the vaccinations, the actual um, scientific testing and, and all that kind of stuff to get the vaccination ready. And that's how it's going to play out. That's when the vaccinations will start. You know, this is March. I go ahead and tell you, around the end of September, 1st of October, we'll have the vaccinations. We'll be vaccinating the entire country. And then, just in time for the elections, everybody will be healthy and healed and will be able to flood to the polling booths and vote in their candidate of choice. I guess that's how it's going to turn out. It sounds pretty crazy to me, but you know, I'm the conspiracy theory guy that thinks that China is using this virus as as a biohazard attack against the United States. You know, I've heard of crazier things. Um, the, the weirdest thing of all is, is the book that he actually talked about Read the chapter 13 out of that book that he's talking about where he actually lays out this scenario in the book. And that was two years ago, guys. Two years ago. So you want to talk about a conspiracy? Here's one. Somebody within the Chinese government or heaven forbid within the United States government actually read that book and used it as a blueprint to actually invoke a virus of pandemic proportions on the people of the United States. Now there's your conspiracy theory. But you know what? I've been crawl crazy before, but you know the more I see it, the more it sounds right. I don't know guys. I just know that I've got no college baseball, no NBA basketball, uh, you know, professional baseball is being pushed back right now. They're talking about the season starting late or if it starts at all. So, like I said, guys, I don't know. I haven't been personally affected by it. I'm not, at this point, infected with the COVID-19 virus. I know absolutely nobody within my circle of friends and acquaintances that have been affected by it, either personally or somebody in their family. So I'm going to just put this information out here, let you guys listen to it. You formulate your own opinions. Hey, if you got any guy, if you guys have any comments about anything I said on this episode, you know, jump on Facebook, 
our Facebook page, World of Wally, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually have a link. I mean, I'm actually gonna have a post talking about the episode. It's gonna drop uh, for Friday, which is, will be tomorrow now. And uh, hey, just comment, guys. I'd love to hear what you guys got to say. And as always, guys, Wally out. Join me, William Wally, every Tuesday and Friday as I share my thoughts and have engaging discussions with various guests, tackling all types of topics from religion, politics, sports, social media, and also current events, and everyday observations from my very own life. Just a small town guy with some big time opinions. Love me or hate me, but you will want to listen in weekly on the podcast, World of Wally.